Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to another edition of your favorite podcast, Insane in the Membrane. Hello everybody, greetings, welcome to the show once again. I always feel weird calling it a show, considering what the premise of this uh, podcast is, but uh, we are here, welcome back everybody. Um, Before we get into it, this is a special one this week, oh my days. Uh, This month, Insane the Membrane has teamed up with Wogan Coffee in Bristol, Uh, wonderful Bristol, it's where my sons uh, now live, Uh, it's such a great city beautiful place lots of things happening it's a fantastic scene all manner of stuff fashion music all manner of things it's how London used to be I feel Bristol is is such a great place Uh, so yes so Wogan Coffee in Bristol they're doing good things with a blend that raises money to provide free meals to people in need plus a limited edition insane in the membrane blend which helps support this podcast go to wogancoffee.com to get your special edition insane in the membrane blend which is a blend that is uh, very close to producer Paul's heart these are his favourite beans it sounds funny saying beans. <laughs> What's wrong with beans, beans? It's funny. <laughs> Just say, say the words. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Actually, we should keep all this in. Ah, <laughs> oh, this is what this is what happens. First... <laughs> this is what happens when you get when you get the host to read his own to do his own reads. This is this is ridiculous because he says on it <laughs> blended to produce Paul's favourite beans, and I can't say the word beans without laughing. Yeah, um, that's put everybody off now. No, I, I know. <laughs> Producer Balls Beans, come on. (laughs) Sorry, Wogan Coffee. Oh my god. Right, okay, right. (laughs) Use the promo code Membrane for 10% off the Membrane blend, and that's all for you, wonderful listeners. And they're Producer Balls' favourite beans. I I, say, that's so funny. Anyway, thank you, Wogan Coffee. I hope they come back after that. Oh dear, good people doing good things. Speaking of good people doing good things, this podcast is also supported, as you know, by those wonderful boys at Save Our Souls Clothing, Mark and Stacey. Good boys doing good things with their ethically sourced, vegan friendly garms. Um, and if you go to their website, sosclothing.co.uk forward slash membrane and use the promo code membrane. That's one word, and that's for the other one as well. It's one word, membrane is the code on both of those. Um, that will give you, uh, our SOS clothing, that give you 15% off, not just of our tees and hoodies, but also across the store. So go there, go to sosclothing.co.uk forward slash membrane. That will give you 15% off, not just of our merch, but for everything across the store. We're so middle class, aren't we? Look at that with the clothing and the coffee. Very nice too. All we need is uh, some uh, an avocado company to 
and uh, to get us off, to, to look after, get us off. <laughs> I'm going to stop talking. I'm shit at adverts. Anyway, let's get on with the episode. As people know, listening to this, uh, I, I probably gathered over the last years, couple of years that we've been doing this, and also for the radio show and my various chats. If you've listened to me on other stuff, you'll hear me wanging on wax lyrical about music. You know, I'm a big fan of my music. I love my music. I'm constantly looking out for new albums. I'm constantly looking out for new artists. I'm, I'm, I'm obsessed with finding old stuff. Love my records. And so, I've, and I've always had music in my life. I've grown up with it. I love it. It's, it's just always there. It's a constant. It's a constant theme in my life. So to get this week's guest on, to get to talk to this week's guest, I it, it's just it's, it's it's quite surreal. I'll be honest. Glenn Matlock, Glenn Matlock, uh, one of the founding members of one of the biggest uh, punk bands, were the Sex the Sex Pistols. A very influential man. Uh, very influ- uh, you know. Uh, you know the, never mind the bollocks. It still stands up today. Even you know, I mean, it's nearly. What is it? it? Must be nearly 50 years old now. It's 40, 43, 44. Yes, it's 44 years old, maybe. But it, you know, it's one of the greatest albums out there. I still love it. It was, it was still, you know, when it came out, it it shook the foundations of the world that we lived in. You know, and it still stands up today. It's a great album, it's a great band. So to get him to get him on here and have a chat with him was fantastic. So I was a bit nervous to start with. I was like, oh fucking hell, it's Glenn Matlock. But you'll, you'll hear it, so like, like we would produce Paul and I would just talk about it and about 20 sort of minutes in you can hear we both kind of went, ah, oh, this is alright this. And we had a bit of a laugh doing it, it was so funny. He's a really nice guy and it was really good to talk to him. Um, and we also, this is going to be on YouTube as well. So if you head to YouTube and, uh, and on there will be the full unedited video. Uh, of of what we of what we did today with Glenn Matlock, it's all up there and, uh, and it's it's it looks fantastic. Uh, we'll put the links to stuff on on our socials and things like that, so you're about to do that without with, with relative ease. Yeah, so we'll put the link look. in the episode description. Just pick up that. <laughs> <laughs> you say it then. That's all you need. We'll put the link in the episode. We'll put the we'll right all right ready. We'll put the link in the episode description. It's all going to be there for you. I've got producer Paul in my ear right now telling me how to say this. <laughs> anyway, let's stop mucking around. Let's get on with it. Coming up in a minute is Glenn Matlock. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. 
In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. A podcast from producer Paul Dakota.uk. Insane in the membrane. There's no big introduction. We just get into it. It's like two. It's like two fellas having a chat in a pub. That's it. Right, That's all right. it is. It's just nice and easy. But I really appreciate Good. you taking the time. Uh, we did meet actually. We met. You wouldn't remember this. This was going back. It's one of John Hellier's nights. Uh, one of his day. Uh, I think it was at like a Small Faces convention. Probably. Yeah. yeah, going back, and it, and I was. We were stood there. It was you, Dennis Greaves, and a couple other people, and I was just. And then. Yeah, and I was I was just stood there going, fucking hell. It's Glenn Matlock and Dennis Greaves <laughs> trying to be all, you know, well, trying to uh, keep it you know, I, I just went round the corner to buy some hummus, and who was in the queue in front of me? Lulu. No. <laughs> so, <yes>. Everybody's <laughs> got to be somewhere. That's true. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're right. And you know, fun, funny thing, I met with Ronnie Wood who lives around the corner, and he's got a big house, and he just bought another big house next door. Oh, yeah. And it was Lulu's, because you know Lulu, it was only little, yeah. She, she's downsized. <laughs> Just lives in the shoebox now, bless her. How you been anyway? You're back on the back on the on the campaign trail. Uh, I, yeah, yeah, I am soon, yes. We, I've got about a dozen solo shows for an evening with Glenn Mallock. And when's this going out? This will go out today probably. Right, well Yeah. We are actually gonna yeah, we're world exclusive. We're going to be doing, we're going to announce tomorrow at 100 Club on the 12th of November, Friday the 12th of November, band show. Ah, uh, amazing. And I've got a really good band these yeah. days. This is my sort of Bruce Springsteen kind of band. I've got yeah. Neil, Neil Axe is playing guitar because Slick's in the States. Um, Chris Mustard on drums, Jim Lowe, the stereophonics producer on bass. I play room guitar and sing. And my mate James Halliwell was a fantastic keyboard player. Yeah, and lovely. And a player and stuff. And he, he plays with a water boy sometimes. Yeah, and right. See, that's, that, that's what I like about you. And that's like going back. I mean, like, you know, you, the sex business obviously always comes up, but you've all, you, you were always about the music. That was the thing. That's what it always seemed to me. Like, when well, it's not to be. I mean, you might yeah. the music. You know, I subscribe to certain things that were said back then, but it seems to be these days, certain things that were said by that, by some people, they didn't necessarily mean them. So, yeah, right. So authenticity was a, is an issue, mm. do you think? Yeah. Going back. Yeah, well, that was it, wasn't it? It was all, it, you know, there was some big characters in the punk scene. Yeah. And you think yeah. and most of them were probably just playing up to the image, do you think? I don't know. Oh, what, you think when you, what you think when you're younger... Well, yeah, yeah. Course, you either yeah. change or you become more entrenched in it. I think I've become more entrenched in it. I think we're living in funny times now. Yeah. I think my beliefs. Well, yeah. Well, this politically, is it, yeah. Politically, uh, I mean, I don't know where you're at on things, but I think we're at a real crisis point in this country, and I'm fed up with it. Yeah, end. definitely. This, well, this is it. We, they don't, we don't have any leaders really. No one knows what they're doing. No one gives a fuck about the people. And mm. this is where that seems to be out where punk sort of sprung from. Like out of that, you know, it was a similar sort of time, it seems, that where we're at now. Or it does seem a bit more fucked than it was back then. Yeah, I mean, I, I, just, I just think the, the people who've got their own agenda, they, they're just kind of so brazen and unabashed about just throwing it in people's faces. That's, yeah, in a way, you could say that's more honest, but I don't know that it, it's what we want, really. You know? No. 
Well, it would have been. I, mean, I remember my dad telling me that the world is corrupt from the top down, and I remember him telling me that when I was a kid. And it, I think back then, like back in like the in like in, our, in you know, the sixties and the seventies and all that, like we, you knew that politicians and that were up to no good, but you kind of but you didn't know much about it. You didn't see it. Yeah. But now it's more like you say it's more in you, we are we see what they're doing. Yeah. And they are more brazen. They don't give a shit, do they? They're just doing it. Yeah. They're going, well, yeah, what are you going to do about it? Uh, and, and also, um, you know, it shows you how many mugs there are in this country. You know, we don't move between the lines. Well, yeah. I do take great stock from those, what happened with Trump in the States. So perhaps, you know, we always seem to follow the States a couple yeah. of years later. We've gone down the Trump-esque path, but a couple of years later, he got slung out. So we'll see. Well, I, it's funny, all the people that I see are spouting off with these prejudiced views, these right-wing views, They, I remember them as kids, and they didn't give a shit about music. I genuinely think that if they'd have been surrounded by decent music, their, their worldview would have been different. That's how it seems to me. I, I was brought up with all manner of music, reggae, punk, ska, it was all around. Well, there you go. I mean, where I... I was fortunate enough. I'm born in Paddington. I lived up the Arrow Road in Council Green. Yeah. When I went to school, it was practically, you know, this top of the roadway, it was one of the earliest um, second-generation immigrants, you know, who yeah, came right. over in Windrush, kind of yeah. thing. There was Brick, Brixton and, and Council Green. Yeah, so um, very sort of diverse, yeah. My, my, my school, my school, it was like half, half West Indian and half white. But I'm still mates with some of those kids. You know, there's a guy, really? Denzel Elaine. He actually became quite a big deal ticket tout. Oh, you, know, you go to a gig, you go to a gig, and there's this, this black guy outside vlogging tickets outside Amazon Vodian or Lords, where I live now. Oh, yeah. And it's a bloke I used to go to infant school with. <laughs> it's fun, still, funny, still right? working. I like that. It's great. It's good. <laughs> yeah, we're still getting such fun from Rob. I like that. Still working the cobbles after all this time. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what do you make of all that though? The touts and that it was because when I was going to gigs when I was a kid, it was all part of it. I mean, I know it takes away money from the from the artists and that, but going up there and and having to kind of you you know you getting your t you might get your tickets off the touts a bit cheaper or yeah, you know I mean you're working out. Already deals. started, you will. Yeah. yeah, I mean some you know I don't mind a little bit of ducking and diving, but I I, I think in a way sometimes. If, if you didn't have a ticket for a gig, that was the only way of getting one. If you really, yeah. really wanted to go, you know. So I think now, though, it's 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 different when it's all online and somebody's doing Wembley and you're trying to get through. You know, you're stalking it like, like that. Yeah. And then it finally comes online, and all of a sudden, all the tickets are sold out. How's that happen? That's not right. You know. No, exactly. I, I don't mind somebody making a pony on top of something to somebody you really want to go, but when people are you know, they got sort of ten thousand tickets and they're scalping people. Yeah, that's different. You know, and booking fees. I mean, why does it cost three pound fifty to go and see QPR? Yeah, yeah. Per person to buy a fucking ticket. It's crazy. Yeah, well, it's yeah. organised yeah. crime, isn't it? That it gets to that level, it's proper criminal. Organised Whereas... crime. You know, people yeah. say to me, "Oh, what about Elton John? Oh, what are his millions?" You know, versus like a fat cat bloke who runs British Gas or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, but nobody has to go and see Elton John, but they want to. Yeah. Nobody really wants to have to pay gas, but they need it. That's the difference. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. The artists are always the last ones to make any wedge. Like, we're, especially now, now the music's online. 
like it used to be boot you get bootlegs and all that when you were when you were younger but now it's all online it's yeah. even you, you know artists are making even less money you're like people like spotify are making billions yeah and how do you, um, how do you, how do you fight I that? I, don't, I mean, I, to, to be honest, uh, you know, what I'm doing, I like playing gigs, I like doing the merch thing when it's safe to do so. I don't mind chatting to people when they're not too pissed up. Um, the, the, the online thing is, it's a different generation kind of thing. And although I try and do it, you know, that my fans aren't necessarily that hip to it. So I don't really bother with it too much no. at the moment. I probably will do down the line. Yeah, but the rewards you get from it are minuscule. It's not something that I really kind of concern myself with. Nah, well, I suppose you don't, yeah. don't make it right, you know. Well, that's it. If you're making money, you're, you're yeah. If you're making your money, if you're able to, you know, if you're getting by with the with the gigs and the and the live stuff. Yeah, well, I was there. I was up until you know COVID kicked in, but the same as everybody else, you know. Yeah. I lost a lot of work. I was off to the States um, and I had a work permit which lasted till the end of last year. Now, I was going right. to go and open up for a Dropkick Murphys and I had a whole bunch of solo shows booked and I was just going to hang out in the States and then I was getting more offers coming in. Yeah. And I was quite happy doing that and then I couldn't do any of that, you know. So, you know, and then yeah. I was doing like online gigs on Facebook with, <laughs> yeah. with, with L Slick. He yeah. stuck up front with me. Um, which was fun, you know, and you put up a little PayPal page and then you end up with like 100 quid between the pair of you, you know, all these people who, oh, we love it, you know, they can't put their own in the fucking <laughs> Some people did, but not everybody. You know. No, I know, it's almost, people can't, they don't understand, that. they don't understand how much it costs to put, to make an album. They don't, and they don't, because they don't want to pay for it. They're like, well, why should I pay for it? It's out there. And you're like, yeah, but... The amount of effort, like you're like you have to book the studio, you have to buy the instruments, you have to write the songs, you have to get the the uh, musicians in, pay for their time, and you have to get the music package, and you have to get it out there, and it costs a fortune. It and, does, yeah. And these people don't understand any of that, do they? No, no. no. Give me, give me one second, right? All right, yeah. I'll, I'll just something in the back of my mind that I'm not concentrating. Right, here we go. All right. All good? Yeah, no, it was, it was the girlfriend going, I sort of cut her off and she was like, ooh. <laughs> right. See, this is, this is what you were talking about earlier. Like you say, like you said, everyone's got to be somewhere. Like Lulu buying, Lulu in the, in the queue at the shop and, you know, like people, like, you know, you know, you're, 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 you were in one of the biggest bands of the last 50 odd years and, yeah, you know, you're still having, you know, it's still everyday stuff. Yeah, I think, it, it, you know. was, it was a long bloody time ago, though. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah it was. I've just always been me, really. Hopefully not too many airs and graces. Well, that was what I read when I was reading up about it. I just, because I knew, you know, obviously I know about you, but I was like just doing a bit of research before we had this chat. And one of the things that popped up, like the reason that you left the band was like, ah, oh, done with all the, I couldn't be bothered all the bollocks. And that's. And that's it. Well, all the bollocks gets in yeah, the way all just, the time. It just, yeah, it sounds off a bit. But it was like the stuff yeah. going on. Well, I suppose it would all come under the head and the bollocks, but it just <laughs> became it, it became what it wasn't supposed to be in the first place. That's what I thought. Yeah, that's, that's why I can't move on. But anyway, there you go. Well, that's uh, I mean that's you know that's like with what I do. I'm a comedian by trade, and 
going around. I like, I like making people laugh, and that's all I want to do. And that's why I do it. And people come to the shows, and we have a nice time. But there's other people now, they're, they're jumping on bandwagons, and they're getting behind causes. And they're not getting behind causes because they actually give a fuck. They're doing it so that they feel it's going to elevate them like, and push them up. And, it, and so there's that authenticity kind of disappears. Yeah. You know, and, it's, and, that's, and I'm the same as you. I'm like, why be that way, you know? Just, just be yourself. Well, I, I think ultimately, it it does you a disservice in the long run because. But I think people that can tell what's real and what ain't, you know. Yeah. And they, when they suss out, they they don't just go off your pit; they go right off you. Yeah. Well, that's it. Yeah. When it all when, because it's unsustainable as well, isn't it? If you're full of shit, you're not going to keep that up. People are going to see through it eventually. Didn't they? And I think that's how how you bit like you say, like being true to yourself and just being who you are has kept you in yeah. good stead. It's kept you working with decent people because they've gone, oh yeah, well, yeah, because I'd rather work with him than some fake twat. Um, yeah, maybe. Don't I imagine perhaps that's how I see it. Anyway, I don't know. Perhaps I'm perhaps I perhaps I'm too cheap. <laughs> 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 yeah, you got to up your prices a little bit. <laughs> well, something else. Do you know is- what? I, I was very for- I was fortunate six or seven weeks ago. Now, Ronnie Wood called me up. He said, "What are you doing?" I said, "Well, I'm out for a drive." Why? And he said, "You want to do some bass?" And I went, "Yeah, where?" He said, "Around my house." He only lives around the corner. Yeah. I went, "I could do it. I'll get back." And he said, "He said, no, actually, th- think about it. I'm going to book the studio." So I went in the studio over a couple of days. Playing with them and Kenny Jones on no, some, old, some older stuff. No, I'm not going to say too much about it, but no. they're working on something. But towards the end of the evening, I was getting a bit hungry. And I thought, oh, fancy fish and chips. And it was a bit awkward. I couldn't just order fish and chips myself. So I said, oh, I'm going to order fish and chips. Right. And um, does anybody want me to order anything? Well, I'm doing it. Yeah. So next, next thing, for Mr. Fish in Queen's Bar. I've ordered like eight Anakin chips with curry sauce, right? And gherkins on the side and all that. Lovely. Turns up, count about 110 quid. Not one of the fuckers has this. <laughs> and then next night we was playing, right? Ronnie would go, oh, I'm hungry. And I thought, oh, great. He's going to order the fish and chips or something. Like I said, oh, yeah. And he said, yeah. He said, I'm going to go home and have dinner with Sally. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> That's why he's a millionaire. He doesn't yeah. spend the fucking stuff. He spends yours. <laughs> yeah. That's it, though. It's funny, but. But this, yeah, but, but that just, but this is it. This is goes to show what sort of a person you are. You don't. I mean, yeah, it would have been nice if he'd forked out for it. But at the same time, you didn't. You weren't expecting it. You just gone now. Oh, fuck it. All right, yeah, I'll get this. In. No, I weren't expecting it. It would have been nice though. <laughs> it would have been. Of course, it would. <laughs> but is it? Because like you, you know, you've managed. You work like your mates with Ronnie and uh, and all these wonderful people. Like you work with. Well, I'm mates with Ronnie, but ish. You know, he's really yeah. good from the rolling, from my all time favorite band faces. Any atmosphere in the Rolling yeah. Stones. You know, you and I did what I did, but he's sort of. But you have moments. Not a hero, you know. There's respect. There's times when you feel you can say something to him, and times when you think, "Oh, I'm a little bit." Yeah. You know. You know. And he's ten. He's ten years older than me, so there's a respect thing. So you you've got to kind of um, navigate it a little bit. Yeah, but then uh, last night a mate of mine in the states. He used to work with the faces a long time ago. Worked with Richard. Moved to New York. He saw a thing come up with. 
one of the Womack family, the mother, the yeah, Bobby Womack's ex-wife, who I think actually wrote um, All Over Now. She wanted to go and see the Stones. Yeah. And he said, can you get this to Ronnie? And I was like, uh. anyway, I wrote a little text there and sort of paraphrased this thing that had gone up, you know, because I wouldn't know anybody could help. Yeah. Because she'd never met Mick Jagger, even though she was involved with the song in some capacity. Yeah, right. Anyway, I texted one. He, he got straight back to me. He said, "I'll sort it out." So, That's there you lovely. go. Yeah, but, lovely, I was a bit, but, yeah, but it's nice. And I kind of would have thought he would have done that for who it was. You know, the woman's like eighty or something like that. You know. Yeah. But I was just a bit cagey. Wherever I was pushing it a little bit, not for me. But anyway, yeah. he got back. I know what you mean, but that, but even that. So, like, people will look at you and who you are. And then, like you said, like then there's then there's people that you look at and go, fuck, you know. There's always it just goes to show how how human beings are, and no matter mm. how successful we get, there's always going to be someone that you're looking at. Like I know you talk about Paul McCartney, and you know there's people I admire, and I know what you mean. You, there's still yeah, even though you are who you are. You're still, you're still, it's still a little bit of you. It's like, oh, fucking hell, I can't, oh, I don't know. It, it, it's a, it's a funny old thing that, because I, because you do, uh, to, to, on my level, looking at you lot, going, you're all mates together. You're all like ringing each other up, going, oh, come and do this album, come and do this song. Yeah, but not, not all the time, though. No. no. <laughs> I wish I did, you know, but there you go. So. But that's lovely. But then, mm-hmm. and, and see, seeing you talk about um, Motown. Talking about your favourite bass players, talking about Carol Kay and people like that. And James Jameson, really yeah. yeah, people yeah. like that, and and that's the thing because when people associate you with punk, they go, "Oh, you must only listen to that sort of music, or that's the only thing." But don't realise that that what yeah, makes because, you know yeah. what? I guess, uh, ten years ago, I was in New York and I did Marky Ramones. Oh yeah, radio show for Sirius Radio in Rockefeller Plaza and. You know, he introduced me with chatting, and then he put a record on, and then people were texting in or something. Hey, Mark, hey, Mark what's your favourite track? And he says, he said, I haven't got the art to tell him I prefer the Shirelles. This <laughs> 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 guy, you know. <laughs> but that's it. I, I, I do have the art to tell him. I think it's for their own good. That, that, Absolutely. That oranges aren't the only fruit, you know. Yeah. Well, that's it. That's what makes you a great musician, that you're interested in all kind of genres aren't you well, I, like, I like rock I like rock and I like roll you know so yeah 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 yeah, yeah. and that's it and that's, and how it should be. Yeah. <laughs> that's how it should be isn't it but that when so all that when it was you know you've had such an interesting career it must have been it like cause, like I say this is sort of it is a sort of a mental health podcast in a way it must have fucked with your head over the years, like the not ups the and the time. downs. Right, and okay. the not, yeah, 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 I reckon it did. Yeah, not, not at the time, because you're kind of caught up in it. And yeah. when, you know, when the Pistols thing kind of took off and the Bill Grundy show and the front page of the paper, it was a laugh, you know, and you, you're living in this goldfish bowl and you kind of, you're a bit naive, you're young, and you kind of think, that's what happens to bands. You know, you mm. don't realise until afterwards, it don't happen to everybody band like that but then there's nothing to sort of equip you for it and then it changes the balance of people in the band and becomes a whole political kind of thing yeah but then you know when I fell out with the Pistols and walked I went straight on to doing the Rich Kids thing you know yeah. and that that was kind of busy and started getting a bit of well it's not the Sex Pistols it wasn't supposed to be the fucking Sex Pistols <laughs> it was supposed to be something different you know if I wanted 
to be like Sex Pistols Mark II, I would have got some bloke with not the best voice in the world with a silly haircut. I didn't do that. You know, I deliberately got me during the band because yeah. I thought we'd put the cat amongst pigeons and that kind of worked for a bit. And then they, him and Rusty went become near romantics. You know, they did a side project with Steve Strange and that, again, split the balance of the band. They were right in a way. They, they um, sort of invented new romantics. Well, my thing. No. Um, you know, Rusty kind of got involved with craft work, but I'd already been hip to all that, you know. I thought it was kind of old, and they discovered it was something new. And yeah, then I got right. a phone to play with Iggy Pop, you know, and then I was off doing that. And I didn't have time to think about it. And then no. I did a couple of other things that didn't quite work out, and then then the phone doesn't ring so much, you know. And that's when it comes back and bites you, and you start yeah. doubting what you're doing and stuff, you know, and then you... I used to drink too much. I don't drink anymore, you know. And then you get a reputation and the phone doesn't ring and then you have a bit more to drink than you would have done. And then people see you out and about looking a bit wobbly and then the phone definitely doesn't ring. And then you think, oh, you know. Yeah. That's when it starts catching up with you. Um, and that's so, where you, and you... So that's what I'm saying. Like, you've had... You've had these incredible highs and then these, and then these moments where you're like, fuck, is that it? Am I done? And yeah, but like, you know what? They, you, you, incredible eyes they don't really seem like a high at the time it's just something that you've been working towards doing and now it's and now it's beginning to come off yeah. you know when I was on the pistols first time around we might have been on the front page of the papers and been on the telly did shows be lucky if there was 400 people there yeah, right, really. You know, we, we, yeah, I mean, people think we were playing Wembley Stadium back then. No, we weren't. We <laughs> did in 96 when we reformed. Yeah. Not Wembley Stadium, but, you know, the equivalent all around the world, flying everywhere first class. But back then, I would have thought the biggest gig that we played was probably the least pop poly was maybe 400, 450 people there. Yeah, right. So, yeah. you know, you don't really think you're the cat's whiskers. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, it's all about what we, how you're perceived, how what we see on the outside. Yeah, and yeah. I, you know, I'm going to pull the rug under people's feet of what they think. Yeah, you know, I think we were jolly, we were jolly good. You know, <laughs> and we had something going for ourselves. But you know, we certainly weren't in Rolling Stones, Elton John territory back then. No. How did it's it something. feel? How did it feel walking away after putting all that work in to the to the to the never mind the bollocks. Well, it, it, felt, it, it felt like a relief, actually, because the, the the balance had kind of gone, and I knew what I'd done, and I knew, like, especially Steve and Paul knew what I'd done, but they yeah. didn't back me up, you know? No. And, and I thought, well, if they can't see that, fuck them. Yeah. yeah. See that again? And, and I think in the long run, I was kind of proved right, you know, and now yeah. the world's gone full circle, and they will say, oh, maybe we shouldn't, shouldn't have let Glenn go, you know? Yeah, yeah, I saw, I was, yeah, again, like I say, I was reading up on a few bits and I saw that. It's about like, saying that you wash your feet too much <laughs> or whatever it was. Do you know where that comes from? No, go on. We did, well, Amy and Steve used to share a place in Denmark Street. It was a real shithole, but a cool place, but a shithole. You know, we had a sink with a washing up bowl. Yeah. So they were a wash. He would always go out. You know, I'd wait for him to go out and I'd have a wash down. He always said to come back when I was doing the bottom bit. <laughs> but he, he, hadn't, he hadn't seen what I'd done in between, right? And just, <laughs> just as well. And then we went to Paris to do the thing and Ray Stevenson took some photographs 
you know, and they got bidets there, which we don't have here, hardly. Yeah. And I was just kind of making a little joke about the Englishman abroad, you know, didn't know what a bidet was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. About. And then it stuck, you know. Because <laughs> <laughs> now he's going, because now Steve's like, oh, yeah, it doesn't matter what he does. We should have just let him, he wash his feet if he wants. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's it, yeah, that must have been hard, like, like you say, because you were, you, you know, you expected him to back you up and they didn't. And that must have been. I've been in a situation like that, and you. No, go, well, I, I you know. don't know if I expected them to. I, I, no. It's just the way it went, you know. Yeah. Um, would have been nice if I had done, but they're keeping their heads down a bit with, with the fear, you know. Yeah, but, of course. What was it like getting back with them after all that time when you did that first, that filthy Luca tour? Uh, what was it like? So what was that? It was all right. So was that ninety six? Yeah, you know, it was all a bit more grown up and there's a big difference between getting on each other's nerves when you're sitting on the equipment in the back of a full transit that's got no windows in it yeah and you're flying around the world first class and you might not even get the same flight you can <laughs> afford to come to an accommodation with each other you know of course yeah 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 so you know that's, that's the one thing I sort of discovered in life is you know if you got a couple of bob, it's luckily I have. I'm not loaded, 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 but I'm not skinned. Yeah. But but you know a bit of money buys you space. Yeah, that's what and we all want. And space gives you head space. You know, and you, yeah. you're not constantly having to be cheek by jowl with people you might not necessarily want to be. You know, it's yeah. It's they, kind of like, well, they, even so, you know, where I live, I live in a in a an old Victorian house, but I've just got the bottom bit. But there's yeah. some blokes upstairs. I can bang around too much, you know. I'd love to be able to fall drive, but buy them out or move somewhere where I haven't got somebody above me, you know. Yeah. So it always sounds uh, like they're fucking rollerblading, doesn't it? When they're up. and when it, I've lived in flats, and they're like you'll be watching the telly at night, and it sounds like they're bowling or they're doing yeah. something. Yeah. <laughs> Like dragging a body around or something like that. <laughs> Sounds like that, you know. And you pull them up and they go, "Well, we look doing nothing," you know. And they got some little fucking dog, but yeah, nothing, nothing wrong with dogs. But then, of course, first thing in the morning, they got to bang it down the stairs to take it for a pee, and then at night, they got to bang it downstairs to take it for a pee, and then bang up. <laughs> yeah, a little thing, but you know, yeah. if you had a, if you could afford a big house, you wouldn't have that, you know. Oh, of course, yeah, of course. It's funny talking about the van sitting on the equipment. Because a lot of books I've read about all my like my favourite bands, and they all say, "Ah, oh, the best times were when we were in the van. We didn't have any money. It's freezing cold." Like this, I read Horace Panther's book, and he was saying that you know, getting stuck in Paris and things like that. And I imagine looking back at those at those times, you go, "Is that, that rose-coloured glasses?" But at the time, like you've just said, must have been fucking horrible, you know. Yeah, but I didn't know any different. You know, it was my no. first time out of London as a as a young man, sort of under my own steam, you know, about you going away to see your grandma or your parents, you know, or going yeah. to Butler or something. It was interesting. But, but then, yeah. there was, then there was the sort of friction with the, with the characters. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's it, and it's They're all very strong, all of you. Strong yeah, so, characters so in their own way. Was, that was kind of one, one of the strengths of the band as well, you know. Yeah. Well, I find you know, it, yeah. it's like everybody around the world knows 
certain bands, all the members, and we were one of those bands, you know. There's yeah. lots of bands, people might know the lead singer, okay. Got no idea. I mean, I I really like the Dave Clark Five, right? Yeah, Dave Clark, um, Mike Smith, the keyboard player. Who are the other blokes? Oh yeah, no idea, <laughs> no idea. I know. Yeah, <laughs> I liked them. But... Yeah, well, it's like so I... we did better than that. You know? <laughs> well, that's it, isn't it? Yeah, I'm full bit that way before. I remember seeing Spencer Davis group in the Yardbirds, and that would have been. So that would have been early 2000s when they were... So I don't... And that was the thing. I remember when the yard... Like like my dad growing up with those records, so I knew he was in them back when I was a kid. But going to see him again, they were both brilliant, both brilliant bands, but I couldn't tell you who was who. I didn't know who was who was in the band. I just knew they were both brilliant bands doing brilliant things. But yeah. like you say... with the, Well, there you yeah. go. That's a, that's a brand name for you though as well. You know, a successful oh, yeah. band becomes a brand name. You know, like... Birds Eye Peas or something, or Omo. Yeah. I don't know what happened to Omo, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. It becomes, but yeah. it's all respect for Davis, you know, it was quite, it was quite funny. Um, I don't know, maybe about 15 years ago, I was walking down the Portobello Road and this bloke went, oh, how are you doing? And I thought, I'm not quite sure who you are and you're not quite sure who I am. We're sort of, the, you know, both musicians and thing and then walked away and I looked over my shoulder and looked at him and, and I realised it was Stevie Winwood. No. I don't know if he thought I was me or if he thought I was somebody else, you know. <laughs> but that was kind of funny. I saw them, actually, at a Reading Festival, 73, they were on the door. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, good. That was a good lineup. I went to see the Alex Arby band in the Faces. And oh, I saw amazing. Genesis, I think I'm much on them. I saw Mahu Vishnu Orchestra. I saw Stackridge. I saw PFM. Um, Stray yes. were on any band that I think well, I must have seen them somewhere it was all at Redden Festival in 73 yeah. <laughs> said it Claire all in one weekend Clay Hamill yeah um, I've said Alex Harvey band uh, yeah well, my status, old, status quo bloody hell but that's it my old man telling me about bands he used to go and see growing up in, in sort of South East London Kent and he'd have like John Lee Hooker playing the Alpington Civic Hall he'd have the Who playing a bingo hall down the road. You know, all those... And we don't get that anymore, and that's the shame. You know, it's... Yeah, but you never know. You might have the equivalent of somebody doing that. You don't You don't know what, when the ball turns in 20 years' time, people looking. You know, it's a new generation. I've got kids who are in bands and go to see bands. And yeah. They still get as excited as I used to about it, you know. Maybe a bit jaded about it now. I mean, I tend to go and see... Bands, but I, a, I can get them for free for, but it's normally because it's a mate playing or yeah. some mate who's got a little project going, and you go and support them. Gone are the days when I queue up yeah. to a ticket or go and see if Benzel's there who get, get. Oh, yeah. <laughs> see if Denzel's. Denzel, <laughs> Denzel um, mate. Yeah. It's, but I remember that my bet, my the best times of my life was going to see bands when I was a kid. Going to see, and you know, I've been to see the damned a million times. You know, I've been to see, I remember watching the did my one and only stage dive at an exploited gig. Oh, all right. fucking idiot! <laughs> yeah. But like, but going to see these people, like, I remember seeing Stevie Winwood at Shepherd's Bush Empire, and I was stood there next to Marcus Russell, you know, the Oasis manager. And I went, I saw, I went, oh, Oasis, oh, nice work. I didn't really know what to say, I kind of looked thumbs up, all right, mate. 
And then I'm watching Stevie Winwood and he goes into Dear Mr. Fantasy. And then Marcus just appears next to me and he goes, can't believe we're getting to watch him do this live. And it was one of the best moments of my life. Yeah, and cool. yeah, and mu- and that's what I think music. I feel music is so important, and it and it, and it needs. I think more people need to need to yeah, have well, access it's, to it. It's kind of kind of gigs are like um, a rally. You know, it's like a rallying point isn't it, for people. Yeah. I mean, I met some people, musicians, and friends long before the internet and stuff. Was you know like Mick Jones and people Tony James and. Right and all that was by going to see bands that were kind of just prior to punk. It might have been a little bit different, and you kept seeing the same people. Yeah, you know, and you had nothing to do at home, or you didn't really have. You maybe still hadn't quite moved out yet, and you wanted to get out the house as much as possible. So people would go and see a band, you know, like yeah. who sort of Hammersmith Gorillas or um, the Cannibals or somebody like who, right. kind of just before punk or or um, the Stranglers when they were really a pub rock band, you know, and you go there and there'd be like 30 people there, but 10 of those people would be the same people you'd see at another gig the next night, and you end up saying I. And a lot of them went on to form bands, you know. Yeah, yeah. What was the band that made you go, I want to be a musician? What was the one thing that made you go, well, that, I want to do that? That probably was the small faces and the faces. Yeah, right. Yeah. That was a moment you went... That's what I want to do. Yeah, it wasn't like a sea change moment, but no. just kind of dug him, you know. Yeah. And mm. what was it like when you met, when you were going to, like, because with the, so with the Pistols, did they just, did you sort of know each other already? Or? No, well, no. it's a bit of a, the long, old story that I'll mm. just gloss over quick, but I was working yeah. at Mount McLaren's shop. Stephen Paul used to come in. Oh, that's right, yeah. Basically, trying to nick things. I, my job was popping <laughs> right over and talking one day. And they wanted to get Malcolm involved somewhere. I don't know why. Um, and he was set with humour and him. He's going, oh, how's it going? And Paul said, he said, well, I don't know, Malcolm. We're trying to take you seriously. And our bass player never turns up. And I, not long, got a bass guitar. I could play from the guitar a bit. And I got a bass. And then realised you played bass at home without an amplifier with nobody else. It's a bit like having a wank, you know. <laughs> you, you need to play. You, that's true. You, you need to play with somebody else. I said, well, I'll yeah, play bass. I said, well, I play bass. And they went, do you? I said, yeah. And they said, who's your favourite band? And I said, the Faces. And they went, that's ours. Fuck. So I went and had a play with them. Then there was Wally, who was the original guitarist, and Steve was the singer. And that was it, you know. So kind of funny, that got me into gig. And I mean, it's quite a while back now again, but, you know, the last gig I did with the Faces, when I played with them, Shane Rodstert did that, but Mick Upman was pretty good, but it was still Kenny oh, James. that's right, yeah. Ian McGlagan, he was my mate, Ronnie, and Mick Upler was the singer. Um, and we played in front of 50,000 people at the Fuji Festival, and it was the band I used to stand in the mirror pretending I was in them. You know. That must have been so, incredible. Did you have I, a I, moment, I, when, when you were doing it, did you have a moment when you just went, fucking hell? Yeah, every, like every, time, every time I did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'll tell you one other thing, when I was doing a bit of recording, they are looking at some old stuff. <laughs> And they were changing the keys a little bit. And I was early there the second day. And I had to learn this song. And I knew they was going to change the key, but they weren't there to decide what key it should be. So I played along with the track that they'd recorded just before they split up. Right. And it was Kenny, Mac and Ronnie doing it, with Rod Stewart doing a guy vocal. 
Right. Oh, my God. You know, it's from like 1974 or something, and I'm playing, yeah. and I'm looking around, and I want the whole world to see me, and it's just me and the engineer. <laughs> but what a moment. What yeah, a moment. Good. And it's good and all. So what's going to happen, but I don't know. You know no. But, um, and what, I mean, what did, I mean, yeah, I saw, like, Rod was lined up to do it, and then sort of last minute he didn't, which is a shame, isn't it? I mean, not knocking, I'm not knocking. Well, when, when I played with them. Yeah. When I played with them, yeah, yeah. But I don't, I don't know. I, I know a little bit. I'm not going to go into that. No, no, no. Of course not. Of course not. No, I wouldn't expect you to. Um, but yeah, it, 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 like when you like say you've worked with all these people, Clem Burke and all these, you know, and you know Earl Slick and that, and you, you, you look back and go, oh, "This has been all right." This I've actually had a blinder. Well, yeah, but I. I mean, all those people you mentioned are good, mm. but I've ended up playing them just because. They, they, over the years, they become mates, you know. Keep on. Yeah. I mean, I've made a new record, and I've got my mate Chris Musto plays on most of it, but then I wrote a couple of new songs earlier this year. Chris weren't available. I've, I've done something online with some people, some like charity record for the nurses. There's quite a few people involved in it. Tony Adley and Marcella Detroit. Oh, wow. Slip played on it. Clem did the drums, all right? I had to go in the studio, you know, and it was lockdown. I'm thinking, well, how can I do it? So I said to Clem, I said, I've got a couple of new songs. I need some drums on them. He said, oh, I'll do it. He won't do nothing. Oh, amazing. So he recorded the drums in LA and sent them over, and then I, I just did all the guitars myself, and they got me mate to play some keyboard that. It was, you know, I wouldn't have asked him if he if he couldn't keep time, but he can, and he's a mate. <laughs> you know, and if he wanted to. And then he asked me a couple of things, and I put some bass on things, you know. Yeah, it's just kind of what goes around comes around kind of thing. And it's Sometimes. like, but that's it. I mean, that's it. You love the music that much, like you're still creating. You're Not still always. Doing it. <laughs> Not always. <laughs> Some of it's all right. Yeah. <laughs> what do you but, think? Yeah. It's all right. You know, Anakin and Nicole, it's like, it's all right. You know, so yeah. I feel like that kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> but do you find like with songwriting, do you have to like because you you don't you don't sit there and go right today I'm going to write a song. Do you have to wait for it to? Oh, I, to I, come I don't. To bother, you? I don't bother doing that. No. If an idea comes, it comes, and I don't even do anything. I get most of my ideas walking down the street. Yeah. And then, you know, a little snippet of a tune, or you see something, it gets your mind thinking, you get a lyric and a tune. And I don't even, maybe I'm lazy, I don't know. But I, I also know that if I want to write a catchy song, if you can't remember it, how do you expect anybody else to? Right, <laughs> and when those ideas don't go away and they keep coming back to you, that's the time to pick up the guitar and then start working it out properly. Right, that's kind yeah. of what I do, you know. And then, yeah. luckily, you now these days you've got this own recording thing. I've got a little computer studio at home that's kind of good enough, yeah, you know, more than good enough. And it would be even better if I was better, better at it. I know how to play, but engineering is a skill in itself, you know, like. Being a guitar player, a cable player, it's, it's just an aptitude. But I get through, and it gets you to the next stage, you know. And you can work out, and I've got a bit of a limited voice, so I can play around with the keys and the key that the song's in. And, then, and you get there eventually. And by the time you've done that quite a lot, you got enough songs for an album. So yeah. that's kind of what happens, and that's how I've got a new album to come out. But you know, then you got that, and then you. You think, all right, all these songs were, oh, that one's rubbish, that one's good, that's kind of all right. Maybe I'll have the first half of that with the middle eight from that one and then go back. You do a bit of that, and then you go and record it properly. So I've actually got a brand new album in the can, 
Lovely. It's going to come out early next year. And I'm just about to sign quite a good record deal with a big label. Which oh, amazing. be announced very soon. So. Oh, lovely. That's very oh, nice. Yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm in, a good, in a good place, really. Yeah. That's, I love that. I love that. Sure. And do you have... Do you have complete control over the album, like what tracks go on it, what out, all like? Because I know when you get mixed, from what I gather, you, when you start getting mixed up with labels and other people start meddling, or do you still are you still like now you're no, in a position no, yeah, where it's yeah, all yeah, about yeah. you? Uh, at the moment, I think it's mainly my decision, but I don't. There's no point expecting somebody to kind of work your record to the best of their ability if they're not up for it. So it's kind of good to encourage a bit of input from them. You know, I mean, yeah. at the moment, I've got 14 songs recorded. Probably only need 12 or even 10 for an album. Hey, what do you think? You know, what do you think? What's your best 10 out of these 14? You know, should yeah, we keep yeah, this one yeah. back for a single or should we do... You yeah, know, and yeah. I don't really know because sometimes you're too close to it and you you could you can't see the wood for the trees, you know, so... I suppose so, yeah. Do you like is that? Yeah, so when you're putting a track list together, you can can you kind of feel... You can feel if a song doesn't fit in amongst yeah, it all. Yeah, yeah, you can do that. Then what I, 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 I mean, I was fortunate enough to work with Mick Ronson, he produced the Rich Kids, and when we were doing the money and all that, he said, we should do what Bowie does. And he said, what? He said, well, you write all the titles down and strips of paper, and you just move it around until it looks right, you know. <laughs> You know, like cut yeah. kind of yeah, yeah, yeah. And I do that when I'm writing lyrics sometimes. Not a lot. I have, you know, I think just random lyrics is bollocks, which kind of Bowie did a bit. I mean, he wrote some great songs, but some of them about spacemen and all that. <laughs> there is a bit of that. Sometimes you listen to something and you go, you're just singing that because it rhymes with what you've just sung. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. He came up with some very clever rhymes, but, but not, not all of them. No. I like to myself to be like I'm having a conversation with somebody. But sometimes when you start, you know, you know have a good line here and you've got a good line there. Just by the, But you've really got to get on with it because you set yourself a deadline or you've got one. And you're stuck. Sometimes things like that help you, yeah. you know. And it, you can see that it starts to make sense, you know. Yeah. Do you still listen to a lot of music, like other people's? No. Not, not really, not really bothered. But it don't mean I don't listen to music, because you can't turn on the TV, you can't go into the supermarket, you can't walk into a shoe shop without some music around it, you know. Yeah. So you hear it. You know, if I'm going to put a record on, I'd like to put something tried and tested on. You know, Mose Allison or... Jacques Brel or Scott Walker or The Faces or, or Day Clock Fight. I've yeah. I I got my record little dance set out the other day and found all my singles from when I was a kid. You know, got oh, wow. all over them. Trust and Shout EP and I've still got them. There's, yeah. just, there's just something about... I know vinyl's had a big resurgence now and I've, I've, I love my vinyl, but there is just something about the sound of it. That... Yeah, it, it sounds better. And do you know what? I was... I. I did up my flat ages ago and I stripped all my gear down. And in fact, it wasn't the last time I did it up. It was about 10 years before that. And I've got a nice old quad system. Um, you know, the quads make. And yeah. it's kind of good. But I haven't even replugged really it in because years ago, I bought an old TV, a flat screen, one of the first flat screen TVs when the price had come down. And it's got built-in speakers and it sounds fantastic. So I actually plugged my dance set into the TV. It's great. Oh, and it's that lovely. good. When they annoy, does the name annoy me? It really annoys them, and it's only halfway up. 
So after all this time, they, 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 they go, that's too loud. I go, only watching, it's only the TV. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you wait until I get my Andrew Bob Marshall stuck out. Yeah. You wait until I get my quad system up. See, it's still in you. That, that... If that's what you want, that's what will happen. <laughs> Imagine that. Your name was a, it was a, a sex pistol and you're telling him, uh, yeah, and yeah, fuck that. Yeah, don't fuck about with no, that. It's funny. I was having an ongoing. There's a, there's a, there's a paper upstairs. There's some French woman next door. We'll chat eight o'clock in the morning. Right, she's probably calling her sister back in South France, where it's an hour ahead. And I've told her so many times. So the jazz FM goes on really loud, and I go out for the day. But about a year and a half ago, I was sitting there. Slick was staying there, and I was sitting on the step outside. It was quite a nice day. Who's walking the dog over the road? Ronnie Wood and his missus. I said, "What are you doing?" I said, "That's where I live." I told him. Oh. So we're in a cup of tea. And they went, Ooh. I said, Slick's in there. And he went, really? So we go <laughs> in the garden and have a cup of tea with them and their dog. And then this, the new neighbour who goes, it's like, what? <laughs> 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 it's great. Uh, see, I love things like that. They're just, yeah. yeah I mean, like, you see Ronnie Wood and Glenn Matlock and sitting there in the garden having a cup of tea. <laughs> yeah, and El Slick. Yeah. yeah. Oh, well, you, you just, it's just because you're, you're, you know, I know, like you said, again, you know, you've, everyone's got to be somewhere, but because we know who you are, you're not, you're, you are on another level. So to see you in that environment doing something like buying a pint of milk or a cup of, having a cup of tea, it's just that, it's just, it's just something that we don't expect you to do. <laughs> it's, it's fucking. Well, yeah, you know. I, I, I tell you a funny little story. I was, maybe at the end of Filthy Look, but I was flying back from Los Angeles and you can, you know, because it's hot, you can check in outside. Yeah. And luckily I was in the business class, the first class queue and there was some bloke next to me, but I didn't say who it was. And I thought, wow, that's a nice suit. You know, it was like a $2,000 suit. You know, and I could only oh. see him from his shoulders and I sort of, without wanting to be seen that I was looking at, I slowly looked down see what shoes he's wearing. Fucking tartan carpet slippers. I thought, well, that's weird. So I slowly looked back up again, got past the shoulder, you know, out of my, fucking Ben-Hur, right? It's Charlton Heston. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I'm thinking, wow, I'm in the queue next to Ben-Hur, you know, and he's yeah, got yeah, carpet yeah. slippers on. <laughs> it's the same kind of thing, really. Yeah. I remember I came back through, I was in Heathrow coming back from wherever, and you know they get them, them buggies that they ferry people through and you hear them yeah. beeping as they come through. I'm so really I, looking forward to that in a few years. <laughs> <time>. yeah. <laughs> well, get on this. I can hear it coming behind me and it's beep, beep, beep. So I step out of the way. As it goes past, it's Dr. John on the back of this buggy, like facing back. And, oh, he's, right, got, right. and he's got his he's got his stick like that. Yeah. And he's just exactly how you'd imagine Dr. John would ride one of those things. And yeah. it blew my fucking head off to oh, see sitting yeah. there, Doctor John of all people. But yeah, it was amazing. It's amazing. This has been amazing as well, Glenn. I want to say thank you for right, taking yeah, the time. I enjoyed chatting. I always enjoy talking about myself. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it's it's nice to get. This is the thing, like I say, like people know who you are, but they don't know you, and it's nice to hear a little bit more about you. Yeah, person. a little bit more. I mean, there's some, yeah. dark, there's some dark stuff in there, you know. One day or not yet. Save it for the book, the next book. Maybe. I don't Maybe. know. But I, I, I'm a firm believer. I mean, my book is not really an autobiography. It's my time in the Sex Pistols. Um, but some other people have written not one autobiography, but two or three. And I don't know how you can have three different life stories. Yeah, that's true, actually. Or when you see a new like new people come, they've only been in the public eye like a year, and then they write one, and you go, well, you ain't done anything. Yeah, but do you know what I've got on the side? I've got for Christmas in about 1968. Rodney Marsh shooting to the top, you know, and he was only probably about 24 when he wrote that. Yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I suppose so. But yeah, maybe get someone else to, maybe if it's that dark, maybe make uh, make it, get it all ready. Oh, I'm, when only, you, I'm only kidding. I mean, it's got moments, but it's not that. Do you know what? We're all humans, though, aren't we? We all do fucking shit things now and again. You know, you, you just, it's just who we are. You know? Yeah. As long as we yeah. don't do them all the time. Yeah. As long as we learn from our mistakes. Absolutely, Glenn. This has yeah. been lovely. When's the album coming out? It's just going to be... We might pull a single just before Christmas, but it's looking a bit doubtful now. I kind of want... I want to get something out soon because there's stuff on it that's been about where we're at now in a way that I think yeah but somehow I was worried about missing the boat but I think the way things are going I don't think I will miss the boat topically which is a shame Um, so it'll probably be out early in the new year in the meantime I'm doing the gigs perhaps you can help me get some people down to Tunbridge Wells I think we can do that also mention under club a striking distance at Tunbridge Wells which is a full band show you know um, oh, yeah. yeah that'd be an incredible gig yeah but I, I'm looking forward to the Tunbridge Wells thing. I it's a nice place I haven't been there before but I quite like the mobile man show and you know I can talk about things between it's a bit more all and encompassing and, and you know people shout out for things and I don't have to worry about whether the keyboard player knows how it goes and I can have a go at it and it kind of works great and if it don't oh, turn it nice. off yeah. well that's it it's yeah. all part it's all it's all part of the show because it's, 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 that's what makes the greatest shows is that those moments it's not necessarily like banging out the tunes it's the the moments that you probably won't do you know, do you know what I, a few years back when um, I'm going to leave you this one I am um, I opened up for Mott the Hoople when they was doing like five nights at Emerson Fodi in the ship with Chris Empire or something. And I, they asked me to do it. And I thought, oh, great, I won't have to bother about the guest list. Yeah. So then I got 500 quid for it and just me. And I did it. I did two numbers. And then I realised there's like kind of three and a half thousand people. I'm on the stage at Emerson Fodi with me and my guitar. I'm like, <laughs> But when I went down to the sound check, right, Opened the door to, to go in. They were doing their soundtrack. They just finished playing all the young dudes, and they started playing Saturday gigs. Do you remember oh, the yeah. Saturday gigs? We do, we do. Do you remember the Saturday gigs? We do, we. Do. And then it all fell apart because there's another bit coming, and they couldn't remember how it went. <laughs> oh mate so, yes 
<laughs> so that's shit. That's the shit like that that I love. Is yeah, that? I like it, yeah. But right. Glenn, thank you so much, mate. All right, mate. This has been a real pleasure, and we'll let you go on with your day. All right, mate. Nice there you go. Bro, Thanks, you're going to come to the show. You better. There'll be trouble after. Yeah, we'll be there. We'll be there. deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Made by darkhorsedigital.co.uk Shooting, live streaming and podcast production.